And even though it is so impossible humanly to be washed from them, come, come to me to remove, they shall be white as snow. Or, lo, behold, your sins are double-dyed. You can never cleanse yourself, but come to me. And so, this invitation is not certainly because of your sins, but in spite of your sins, and above and beyond your sins. Don't let them hold you back. Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. And again, I count it a joy to bring you the message of the gospel. On our program today, we're coming again to part two of the message on Isaiah 118. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. We need to be constantly reminded that the blood of Jesus is the power of God to cleanse us from all sin. And I want to invite you today to put your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. I invite you to stay tuned with us right through the program as we minister on this text, Isaiah 118, and of course, as we have other comments. May the Lord work in your heart, draw you to personal saving faith in the Lord Jesus. Let me open in prayer and just ask the Lord to bless you through his word. Father, we thank thee today for this great opportunity to present the good news of salvation by the blood of Christ, that he died for us, that he died and offered an infinite sacrifice to pay the debt of sin we owe, and that through the sacrifice of Christ we may have sins forgiven and peace with God. Lord, I pray that you will be pleased to draw each soul to trust in the blood, and I pray that you'll give them faith in the Lord Jesus and repentance from all sin. We pray for those who may be cast down and discouraged, who are facing the issues of life and the battles of living for Christ. Lord, you've promised that as thy days, so shall thy strength be. And we claim that promise today, that you will give new strength to your people, that we will be made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb. Bless in the homes. Lord, we need godly homes. We need homes where Christ is the head, where husbands love their wives as Christ loved the church, and where wives are the joyful vine. We pray that you'll bless the children in the home, that they may be kept safe, but that they may also be led to know the Savior early in life. Lord, there's a great attack upon the youth of our nation with drugs and addictions, temptations of many kinds. Lord, grant that you will draw, that you will open the eyes, and that you will protect our children 
from all the ravages of sin and the devil. We just plead your blessing today. And so, answer prayer for us. Let thy name be exalted in our lives, and we shall be careful to give unto thee the praise and the glory. So we are moving now to the pulpit ministry of our church, to Isaiah 118. Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. And then here's the answer. For this purpose, to address this need, to address the impossibility of man to take away his own sin, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. The other text is Romans 8 and verse 3. And this really, again, is God's answer to the impossibility of man taking away his own sin. And it says in Romans 8, 3, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. And so that might be a tea into the person, per tea into the person who is trying to keep the Ten Commandments. The person who's trying to keep God's law perfectly. And of course, in the days of Paul the Apostle, when he wrote to the Romans, there were many Jews who did attempt to do that. They were very, very scrupulous about keeping the law, and they thought by keeping the law they could attain their own righteousness. But Paul says, no, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. And of course, all roads meet upon the death, the work of our Lord Jesus. He is now the second Adam to undo what the first Adam did. And of course, his sacrifice, his work is of infinite value. Man's work is so limited, it cannot keep the law, it cannot deal with guilt. But the death of the Lord Jesus did. His work is of infinite value. Now, in Hebrews 9 and verse 14, we have a text here that really outlines the power of the blood of Jesus. That's what Isaiah 118 is all about. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as snow. God has the resources, the way to make a sinner, a black sinner, as white as snow. And here in Hebrews 9.14, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, Christ was sinless. He offered himself without spot, and he purges our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Now, you'll notice the infinite value of Jesus' death in that text. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit, there is deity at work, there is the supernatural power in the atoning death of the Lord Jesus. And so when man has exhausted every other avenue of salvation and cleansing, you are invited 
to come and be washed and be saved by the death of the Lord Jesus. And so, double-dyed sinners, scarlet sinners, are saved by the power of the Lord Jesus. Now, sometimes the sin of prostitution or the harlot is referred as the scarlet sin. It seems to be the lowest form of the vices. And yet, the Lord can save the harlot. And the Lord said that the harlot enters into the kingdom of God before you. The sin of blasphemy, that would seem to be a very uh, low and uh, dishonoring wicked sin. And yet, blasphemy can be forgiven by the power of the blood of the Lord Jesus. There's a great text, Matthew 12, 31, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven you. That, that's the power of the gospel. That's the power of the gospel, washing scarlet to be white as snow. Then there is the sin, the black sin of Jerusalem sinners. That's how some Puritans put it. Those are the sinners that cried out, crucify, crucify the Lord Jesus. We know that the Romans actually put the nails through Jesus' hands. But the blood of Jesus' death was on the hearts, the consciences of many Jewish people. And as they stood outside Pilate's gate and cried, away with him, crucify him, the blood of the Son of God was upon their hands and upon their heads. And of course, we know that even they, many of them, were converted, cleansed, and delivered from that awful sin of the denial and the rejection of the Lord Jesus, even right to the cross. One more text on this. 1 Corinthians 6.11. If you ever want a list of the deepest, darkest sins, here's one. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 11. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Now, that's the cleansing part. That's the power of the death of the Lord and the washing of the Lord. You notice how the word washing is used here in this New Testament epistle text. The idea that Isaiah wrote of in Isaiah chapter 118, come now and let us reason together, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. There's the idea of washing and cleansing there, that that's the gospel. And the gospel has the power to wash the vilest of sins away. If you look at verse 8 onwards, Nay, ye do wrong and defraud, and that your brethren. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. 
and such were some of you. Paul, writing to the Corinthians, said, now you're in the church, now you are Christians, now ye are washed, you're justified from those things. Such were some of you. You practiced and lived in those terrible sins. And so we see demonstrated here the amazing and wonderful power of the blood of Jesus to cleanse from the very vilest of sins. And so tonight, do not despair. Though your sins be as scarlet, though they be red like crimson, even though that's true, do not despair. You can be justified. You can be sanctified. You can be washed. One other point I want to make out in Isaiah 118, and that is that your sin shall be as white as snow, because redemption is personal and particular. And it says, your sins, your sins, right there. Now, God doesn't deal in the general. He doesn't deal in the masses when it comes to applying redemption. But rather, he says to you, come now and let us reason together. And it says, though they be red like crimson, they shall be as sins. Though your sins be as scarlet. It's not just the sins of the world in general. It's your sins. The thoughts that have gone through your head. The guilt that lies upon your heart. The condemnation that you bear before a holy God. It's your own personal sins. And when our Lord Jesus went to the cross, he died for individuals' sins. He died for specific sins and for the sins of individuals. Uh, the Bible is very clear about our names were written on his hands. And the Lord, as the high priest, bears the names of his people upon his breastplate and upon his shoulders. And so our Lord, he doesn't just deal with sins in general. He deals with your particular sins. And the very thing that you might be plagued with, tormented about, the guilt of that sin, you can bring it to Christ. You can bring it to the cross, and you can plead the total, absolute cleansing from that very sin. Now, it's personal, and you'll notice also in verse 20 that the refusal is personal as well. The Lord says, but if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword. Now, to rebel, that is the sin of rejection. That's the sin, of course, of which the blood of Jesus can never cleanse you. If you rebel and reject the way of cleansing, then there can be no mercy. There can be no redemption for you. But the Lord deals with specific sins, your sins. And on the cross, the Lord made real payment to satisfy the justice of God, to purchase redemption for his people, for those who call on him, believe on him, and come to him. Those very specific sins are already dealt with by the power of the Lord. It's sort of like a guilty man in a courtroom, and when the judge pronounces pardoned, the guilty person wants some proof. 
and he must get some kind of a docket or a paper that confirms the pardon. And when that is given to him in the dock, here it is, you're a pardoned man, you may leave. He wants to read that, and he wants to see his own name right in there. And he wants to make sure they've got the right person at the right address in case it's somebody else. And it's specific to that individual who has just been pronounced pardoned. And when you come to Christ for salvation, you just don't enter into the pool of redeemed people. You come with your name cleared, your guilt washed away, and your life ransomed by the death and the wonderful saving power of the Lord Jesus. Now, I want to close with this thought tonight, and that is that it is God's prerogative. It is His sovereign right to pardon sin. And you'll notice in this invitation, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. God can do what He wants to do. And of course, He can do what no man can do. When you want pardon, you don't go to a priest, an earthly priest. You don't go to a pastor. You don't go to your mom and dad. You don't get pardon for salvation by any earthly institution. You go directly to the Lord. You go directly to the Savior that God has appointed. And of course, God has the right to pardon because He's God, and He's the one who was offended by your sin. And the good news of the gospel is that the Lord desires to pardon. He takes delight in it. He has no delight in the death of the wicked, but He takes great delight in bringing pardon and grace to sinners. And of course, it's amazing grace. This is the wonder of the gospel, that God pardons guilty men, women, boys, and girls, and brings them into a right relation with God. And of course, God has chosen to save sinners this way. In our hymn book, we have that wonderful hymn, number 26, by Samuel Davies, who is a pardoning God like thee, great God of wonders. And that's the gospel. And as you think of that snow that falls upon the, the filthy ground, and in just an hour of snowing, that ground is covered with a beautiful white blanket. I, there is no better illustration in all the world of the perfect righteousness of the Lord that is placed to the account of the guiltiest sinner. Whatever it is, the blood of Jesus washes us whiter than the snow. Now, God knows all about the, 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 the part, all about the pollution. He knows all about how helpless we are, and He invites us to go to Him, to leave our own ideas, our own ways, and to come just as a sinner. Come in your bankruptcy. Come for cleansing. Come to be washed. Come to be made as white as snow. And what a wonderful reality that there's someone who can come in through the door of the church tonight guilty of the most vile sins, and you could leave this meeting as white as snow in God's sight. All the guilt is gone. 
There is no more condemnation. You are perfectly righteous in God's sight. This is a great gospel. It's a great invitation. Come now. Why would you put it off? Why would you hold back? And I do invite you, I do exhort you to come, believe, and be saved, and enjoy the mighty power of the white righteousness of the Lord Jesus put to your account. And if I dare quote Martin Luther again, that Christ's righteousness is like snow on the dunghill. It transforms ugly, vile stuff to look beautiful. That's the gospel. And we have that all around us today. I trust you'll take it to heart and you will live in the joy of it and in the blessedness of it. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Gallagher. I do really appreciate you joining with us. And I trust that today God has already spoken and that you have found peace with God through the blood of the Lord Jesus. Oh, what a wonderful thing that we are invited to be washed in the blood and saved by grace. We're coming to the close of an old year. And some of us, of course, are dealing with approaching old age. Helen Keller once was asked this question, 
How do you hope to approach old age? Characteristic of this, one of the world's most famous women, the following classic answer was given. You are the first person who has asked me point blank how I intend to approach old age. I cannot help smiling. I, who have these many years declared that there is no age in the spirit, age seems to me only another physical handicap, and it excites no dread in me. Once I had a dear friend of eighty who impressed upon me the fact that he enjoyed life more than he had done at twenty-five. Never count how many years you have, as the French say. He would insist, but how many interests you have. Do not steal your days by taking for granted the people about you or the things which make up your environment, and you will ever abide in a realm of fadeless beauty. Then and there I resolved, vestal-like, to cherish an inextinguishable flame of youth. I have tried to avoid ruts, doing things just because my ancestors did them before me, leaning on the crutches of vicarious opinion, losing my childhood sense of wonderment. I am glad I still have a vivid curiosity about the world I live in. Age, I suppose, like blindness, is an individual experience. Everybody discovers its rosette mountain peaks or its gloomy depths, according to his or her temperament. It is as natural for me, certainly, to believe that the richest harvest of happiness comes with age, as that true sight and hearing are within and without. Confidently, I climb the broad stairway that love and faith have built to heights where I shall attain to a boundless reach of sky. Well, those are the words of Helen Keller. Well, how are you going to deal with this whole transition of age? We need to do so, of course, with the knowledge that God will give us grace and strength for the day. Let us seek that strength and rest in the promises of the Lord to our own hearts. As we come to the close of the year, I want to let you know about our calendars from the Trinitarian Bible Society, and these are free of charge to any who write or call or send an email. And, of course, would be delighted to get this to you. They have beautiful gospel texts and different scenes that will brighten your day. May the Lord uh, continue to encourage you and help you as you seek to walk with him. I want to thank you for being a part of our program uh, day by day or week by week as you listen in, and I trust you'll continue to be a listener in the new year and that the Lord will use his word in your life and your witness for him. So thank you again. May the Lord bless you and encourage you in the Lord. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived 
by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music